0: Welcome to Crime Wave, a podcast featuring mystery, thriller, and suspense authors and the stories behind their stories. I'm your host, Bonner Spring, and we're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, um, which has more than four million listeners worldwide. My guest today is Matt Coyle. And just in case we have any listeners uh, who are not familiar with Matt and his stellar career, As an author, let me give you a clue or two. Matt Coyle is the author of the best-selling Rick Cahill crime series. Matt knew he wanted to be a crime writer when his father gave him The Simple Art of Murder by Raymond Chandler when he was a young teen. His books have won the following awards. Anthony, Seamus, Lefty, Authors on the Air Book of the Year, Ben Franklin, Silver Forward Reviews, Book of the Year Silver, and the San Diego Book Awards. Matt was named Mystery Writer of the Year for 2021 by the San Diego Writers Festival. And Odyssey's End, which we'll be talking about today, is the 10th book in the Rick Cahill series. He lives in San Diego, where he is writing something completely new. Welcome to Crime Wave, Matt.
1: Thanks for having me. I like your bumper music, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Um, I figured it was sufficiently um, criminal what's going to happen kind of music. Thank you. Um, So we're going to get to that intriguing last sentence in your bio in a little while, but first things first. Um, For for the Crime Waves podcast, we usually um, focus on the crime, you know, the puzzle that needs to be solved. Um, But today I'd rather start with your series main character. You have put Rick Cahill through the ringer in 10 adventures now. He's been up, down, kicked around. He's found love and lost it. So start at the beginning. Where did Rick come from?
1: Well, in the very beginning, in the very early drafts, which weren't publishable, he came a lot from me. But with each new draft, less of me, book got more exciting. And um and more apt to be published i think the major the thing i mentioned before the thing that kind of um, changed things for me and made it put me on a journey where i could be published was out of the ether what became the first sentence of um yesterday's echo the first book was uh it was during a revision one of many revisions and it just came to me it was the, the first time i saw her she made me remember and she made me forget and that made me realize that the there was more darkness to this character that I had been writing. There was more, much more about him that I wanted to learn, and it was more the book I wanted to write. Um, and so, and it further separated me from Rick because I'm writing in first person, of course, and all first books are autobiographical in some ways, and, and first person more so. So um, Rick is it was less was less me with each um, revision, and um, so I mean, there's 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 some of me in there, but. Um, I wanted a I wanted a character who had a a, a um, past that was dark and darker as it went, mm-hmm. and I wanted that the main thing for me when I st- started writing was that every everything every bad decision he made had to have re- re- uh rever re- had re- I can't even think of the term you know, like you throw a stone. I think in, you're in looking lake.
0: for repercussions, but I repercussions
1: be- reverie yeah.
0: Yeah. So okay. he couldn't get. He
1: couldn't escape. He couldn't escape his uh, his past. He couldn't escape bad decisions. He couldn't escape as as the series continues. He couldn't escape the physical life he lived, mm-hmm. um, which comes up in book eight, I think. Um, so that's that's sort of where he came from. I want him to be. I want him to be an ex-cop, but I want him to be a very flawed character too that mm-hmm. that um, makes mistakes and and sometimes can't escape them.
0: You know, I've heard you say, um, I think it was in a panel sometime once uh, before that, he's a, he he makes mistakes, but he does them by living according to his code. Am I remembering you correctly? Something like that?
1: Yeah, probably, yeah. The, the code handed out to him by his late father, who is also a cop with uh, uh, somewhat of a um, patchy reputation as well,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is uh, sometimes you have to do um, now that I've, I've said it a million times and I've forgotten it um, sometimes you have to do what's right even when the law says it's wrong and Rick yeah. certainly lived by that uh, has yes. lived by that yes
0: um, absolutely
1: so yeah and plus he, he has this kind of uh, because his his wife in the back of the whole series backstory of the first book never on the page but his wife was murdered and he was thought to be responsible for it for quite a while um, but he's And he's in some ways he feels responsible for it because of what he didn't do the night she died and so he's constantly looking for redemption and so and that gives him kind of this manic need to get to the truth which can often get him in trouble Mm
0: -hmm. well um you started out 10 years ago in 2013 with yesterday's echo now i'm not i'm not putting numbers on us but we're all a decade older At this point in time, what did Rick learn in the decade that you've been writing him?
1: (laughs) Um, Rick's Rick's life's been a bit of a roller coaster. Well, he learned that he can be open to love again. He learned he Mm -hmm. could actually trust other people. He could trust Mm -hmm. um, not only his wife, uh, Leah, but before her and continuing He's kind of partner, and sometimes sometimes partner, lawyer McFarland, and um, I guess that's what he's learned. And he's, you know, he realized he he, with each mistake he makes, he gets a better sense of himself. But he also understands that he can't really break out of this cycle he's in of of having to do what he thinks is right in the cases he takes. Still, is still this 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 need for redemption. And even though, even as it threatens his family life, he just can't quite break out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, you know him really well. I, I that certainly resonates with what I what, what I have I have read about him through through the years. Um, has Rick changed in ways that you didn't anticipate um, over the course of the books?
1: Absolutely. When I first started, I mean, I just talked about it a little bit. When I first started yeah. writing the book, I never intended him to have a partner, so to speak, a sometime partner. I never, I wanted him to be a complete lone wolf. I wanted him to live. He couldn't have no sidekicks. Not that more a sidekick. even more of a sidekick than she, than she is because she's smarter than he is, and better private <laughs> But there was going to be no um, Superman sidekick. If you're to out of any physical experience. Any there's going to be no um, really wealthy. Friend who could bail him out of tough situations, and there was going to be no comedic sidekick. And then, um, in the second book, um, Night Tremors, they all have two, t- two word titles, hard to remember. Them. Night Tremors, he needed, I needed, uh, another private investigator for one scene, and it was Moira, and there was a, it was a, um, difficult situation for her and him. And so they started bickering a bit, and I realized there was something there. And so, she kind of grew with each book and, and, and the, um, that was, I never anticipated. I didn't, I, did, I didn't want it. I didn't even want him to have a girlfriend again, not that the two of them were girlfriends, but I didn't want that. I just wanted this, this kind of insulated guy. Um, and then I realized, you know, I think if I'd gone that route, that I would we wouldn't be talking about it. book 10 because I don't think people were read beyond, beyond probably book three. Because he would have been too um, too dour, even though Moore is not particularly funny, there is some lightness between the two of them. There's there's true um, there's love, there's kind of a familial love, but there's um, the, you know, their banter at times can be um, hopefully humorous. So um, that completely opened things up for me. Um, breaking that rule changed the series for me and made it much more interesting. And I have a lot of readers who say Moore is their favorite character, and I can't disagree.
0: Well, okay, I would join them. Uh, we're legion, actually. The warrior fans. Um, <laughs> that's great. Um, so, turning to the plot of Odyssey's and without giving away too much, can you tell us a little bit about the puzzle that Rick's faced with solving?
1: Yeah, he's as as mentioned, his he's this behavior he has has risked his family, and plus. He's got this disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is known as a pro football disease. It's a brain trauma Mm -hmm. and it's not a, 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 there's a lot of science that's unknown about it, but generally in in fact, you can't be completely diagnosed until after death, but you can be pre-diagnosed and kind of have a good idea. And the the life expectancy is much shorter than it would normally be. And there's a, a real possibility of dementia. And, um, Rick fears that he fears that he's got a daughter now, Krista. He, at this, as, this isn't a spoiler because it's on the first page. He and his wife and, and, um, his daughter are separated. He gets the daughter a couple times a month, but she basically lives with her mother up in Santa Barbara now and her mother's family. And it's because Rick had, he won't, um, well, he did some things in the last book that kind of put him in that direction, but he, his concern now he yes he'd like to get back together with his wife dearly I mean, he still loves her and he thinks that she still loves him but you know understands his um, his nature but he wants to because he doesn't think he's going to be around that long <clears throat> and, and he wants to have something for Krista to fall back on his daughter to fall back on a little nest egg something and he's not going to be helped earning, he, you know, that the average lifespan of someone with CTE is 53 years old and Rick's about 43 in this book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he's still down in San Diego, um, working cases and again, working cases where he could potentially get physically involved, which he'd stopped. He tried to stop doing before as, um, you know, as a, a, for his wife and his daughter he, to risk himself. Now it's, it's not fair, but that it's kind of only way to make money. And so someone from his past, Um, someone who uh, he and I, he and um, this person have have, uh, bumped up against each other in difficult ways and the guy's a very dark figure. He comes up with, um, he shows up on Rick's porch one morning with the opportunity for Rick to earn $50,000 trying to find someone, someone very important to the character, um, someone Rick knows from his earlier life. Um, but Rick is kind of weighing it, like, you know, this guy is trouble there will always be trouble and I can't trust him. And he tried to kill me once. Um, but this is $50,000 that could, you know, be a little tiny of the beginning of a safety net for his daughter. So he ends up taking the case and it's, it's a missing person case and, um, it evolves into something much deeper. Um and cryptocurrencies involved tangentially sort of um, and it's has a um, probably has the most <laughs> perhaps the most violence of any book I've ever read. I don't write that violent. I don't think I write that violent books, but the violence generally has to have a reason I don't make it gratuitous um but it's always well it's not always on the page because Rick might be trying to help solve a murder and that's of course he hasn't seen that so it's not on the page but this has a lot of violence on the page, um, but it's not gratuitous in any way, I don't think.
0: No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. You sort of alluded to what I was gonna ask about next, which is um the idea of, of loyalty. And you know, you've introduced so many interesting characters over the years, and you bring some of them back um uh, for, for for this um for, for this outing. Um they're complicated relationships you you know you said the the man who comes in and wants to him to do a job for fifty thousand dollars tried to kill him once and so then you put rick helping him and stuff like that more than loyalty though this time around i've you know i, I see it i see it in, in in all your stories but um this time you're really focusing on father-daughter relationships yeah and you've got At least, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone who's listening here, but you've got, not only does Rick have a daughter now that he's feeling loyalty to, but um, two of the other characters that come in, their daughters, play an important role. Can can you talk about that a little?
1: Yeah, well, um, like as we we were talking earlier, I never thought Rick was going to be a parent. I never thought he was going to be able to be in somewhat of a, a healthy relationship when I first started writing him. So... And I'm really happy that he is. I'm not a parent and um, that's the circumstances of life sometimes don't work out. But I, uh, I've actually had two people who have read the book early, that, um, which is a huge compliment to me, that they really felt that I understood a father-daughter relationship. And one of them's a, a friend of mine who has a daughter and um, the other one was an a interviewer who has a child. And I thought it was a. Um, I took it. I took it as a compliment, just for being a human being. And I just took a compliment as being a writer that I could convey that um, without having a child. But I've, my family has been through a few, a few tough things, and um, we lost someone uh, my, uh, young at a young age. Um, so that was it's kind of a familial grief that I can certainly really understand, and from my siblings, um, I can certainly understand the best of my knowledge, what they went through and I saw it. So I think with any writer, you know, you try to bring your own personal experiences or emotions more specifically into the fiction you're writing. And so I think that's what I was able to do. I think that's what I'm able to do. That's what any good writer as yourself can do. Um, that's kind of the goal of it. So like with Rick's Rick has never seen a friend die in front of him. I, I mean, I've Rick has seen friends die in front of him. I haven't, but I've had lost my life. So I understand the emotions. So you try to convey that um, the daughter thing. When I, when I decided that Rick was going to be a father, um, I thought the, the easy way out would have been a son, um, you know, kind of rough and tumble type thing. But then I thought, well, no, let's make it a little more difficult for Rick and, have it be a daughter women are very important in his life um, for sure Moira and and Leah and his dead wife before him but so I I I just thought it'd be more interesting if he did have a daughter Um, would make it maybe more difficult for him to try to help raise her but also um, a different kind of love than that he'd have for a daughter than for a son maybe
0: uh, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Um, I have a son who's not young at all, who at almost 50 has a baby girl.
1: Mm.
0: And his personality has changed so much around her. It's just it's a delight to watch. You know, if mm. it had been a boy, the boy would be doing karate already. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what okay. I was trying to do. Yeah, I was trying to yeah.
0: show. Well, anyway, I was, I was it was really nice. Yeah. Um, so one of the cool things about private eye stories, I've always thought, um, like the stories like like Rick's, is that there's a natural flow to, uh, to the plot. You know, the PI, that's his job. He investigates. He goes places. He learns. He learns things, and it really does help keep the plot along. I'm curious to know: um, do, do you know before Rick does what he's going to find when he goes on his search?
1: It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> sometimes no um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't outline uh, I'm what we Raymond Chandler uh, fans call a blank pager but um, most people refer to it as a panzer, right by the senior pants mm-hmm. um, I mean I have a gen- I have a target I have an inciting incident I I, I do know the ending pretty generally um, it can change a little bit but I, I do have that target I think if you're gonna go on this journey you at least have, have to have to have a target so I, I do have the target. But no, I think things happen, here's what's doesn't, I'm always um, kind of baffled and, and um, happy when a reviewer will say, you know, well plotted or something like that, because my plots are, really the plot to me comes from um, Rick. It comes from the, the major character. Mm-hmm. What can, first of all, every, when I'm thinking of the starting of the book, it's the subplot with Rick, what's going on with his life mm-hmm. um, emotionally. And then I think well, well, how will taking a case make his life more difficult and, and vice versa, how will what he's going through make dealing with the case more difficult. It, sometimes they interlock and sometimes they don't, but always what he's doing, what he's going through will make the case itself more difficult. And so I try to think, I mean, these, you know, I, these are, if you look at Rick from 30,000 feet, you go, I don't believe any of this because... Ten books. He's been. I don't. I, I'd have to count up the amount of times he's been shot and stabbed. And there's times actually he took off his shirt in this one. He never takes off his shirt for any kind of physical aspect. It's always kind of. Uh, he's maybe twice he's taken off his shirt that I can remember. Except there's you know he has it sex, but when it's specifically his shirt has come off, I have to remember where all the scars are, and so I don't have a bible of the series. Stupidly. So I have to kind of go back and skim books. And go, yeah, where was he stabbed that time? Where was he shot? Um, so if you look at it from thirty thousand feet, you go, this this is impossible. No person can live this life. But I try to. I'm I'm thinking in two week, you know, one to two week intervals of his life, and when he's. Um, Um, put up with a a obstacle or a situation, what would in this life he's led with the mistakes he makes, what would be logical for him to do? And what would be the outcome of of those um, of the action he takes? Mm -hmm. So I try to make it make sense within the world that he's in with each book. And so from that, like I said, I've got a target. Just how can I get there? What are the obstacles Rick's going to have to overcome? And that kind of forms the plotting for me, and then so and, and doing it that way. There's characters that I n- never thought of that'll come in, and uh, there's also a lot of you know. Um, I mean, I probably <laughs> my first draft's very long, and uh, I will probably cut thirty thousand words from on the next on the first pa- first pass. I'll probably cut thirty thousand words, and then I'll be adding as I go. So it's it's the way that works for me. It's very messy, but uh, I've decided. You know, it, it takes. Sometimes there's been books where I go. Well, you know what? I'm going to try to be a little more efficient on this, and my readiness doesn't work that way. If you see my, op- if I showed you more of my office, you'd understand why. But I have to go with the messiness, and that's how the creativity uh, works for me.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad I asked you that because it makes so much sense when you look at the, the the arc of the series. I know you've said before that your books, and I and I know this to be true. Your books work as standalones, but over the arc of the series. Um, that really helped me as a reader understand it. So thanks thanks a whole lot about that. Sure. Um, so listen, um, you unlocked the door, and I'm going to open it right now and step right through it. You said you're writing something new, Matt. Can you yeah. t- share a little bit about it?
1: Just this morning before we got on. Uh, yeah, and I'm way behind where I want to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm first of all, I'm writing something in third person. I it took me ten years to get published with Rick. It's been it it's been a decade. It's actually been like eleven years since, since the first book was out. And so that's 20 years in first person in one character's head. This is this is a person who's become kind of like family to me. So to do to write in third person just um, as a um, as a writer experience is whole it's very new. It's probably been since college, which we, we we can't even count back how many years back that's been um to write in third person. So you know, I read a lot in third person, so that's fine. Um, so that's a challenge, and um it's not being in Rick's head again, is a challenge. There are some similarities, and if I if I went through things, they'd go, Oh, you're just writing Rick again, but it's a, it's different. Um here the premise is um it's a former cop, not surprisingly, who uh is kind of one um, when well, you get in that former cop who's now a private investigator who is not making a whole lot of money. as a private investigator. And his father is also an ex cop who is ill and his insurance and, and Medicare doesn't cover all of his expenses because uh, he needs in-home care. And so Rick's trying to, to, you know, help with that financially and he just can't make it as a PI. So the opportunity to, uh, so there's a, public defender's office in Temecula, which is an hour north of, of San Diego, um, wine country, actually. Um, there's a there's been some illness and they, they're short of an investigator, actually short a couple investigators. So uh. Rick and Rick, <laughs> Rick the guy's name is Kincannon. We'll just say that right now. His name, as of right now, his name is uh, his name is Tim Kincannon. Um, everything's subject to change, but um, he he doesn't want to cross over to the other side working for the, the defense, but it's an opportunity to make some money. And it's, it's um, not full-time, it's full-time, but it's not a guaranteed full-time job, mm-hmm. but it's the money's steady and it's there. And he needs, he needs to, to do it to help his father. So he's a true believer on the other side of the thin blue line. He ends up working with a female public defender who's on the, who's a true believer on her side of the line. And so they they have to work together. The dynamic. I'm working through what's the story going to be, and I've got a better idea now than I did a while ago. But the dynamics of that, and plus his father, like, you're what? You know, he doesn't even <laughs> want the money because you're working for the other side. So I really like that the dynamics of that, and it's finding the right story to make it all work. But um, I got some inside right. info because my girlfriend's a public defender. So, um, I mean, I've got every every day something's different, the information yeah. I get from her so. Um, so uh, I'm excited about the dynamics. Um, I'm struggling with the story, but um, I'm saying on a lot. I feel like I've got a better handle on it now so I'm pretty excited about um, what can happen.
0: That sounds that sounds really neat. I can see where that could go. So many different fun ways. Um, thank you. Um, listen, Matt, before we go off the air, can you tell our listeners um, where people can find you online? And also, um, I forgot to mention at the head that Odyssey's End will release on November 14th. And oh. you may be doing some public events that people would like to come to. So just let us know how to, people know how to sure. how to find you.
1: Yes, uh, November fourteenth, uh, I'll be at Warwick's in San Diego in La Jolla. That's that's the big launch party. Um, but you can find me on my website mattcoylebooks.com um, and I'm on Facebook. That's the only social media I really know how to do. I'm on Facebook, Matt Coyle. I'm pretty, I'm fairly, fairly prolific there, especially when I have a book coming out. Uh, but I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Instagram too, and even even X. Uh, but I, I really on X, I can just kind of re, repost stuff or like things. Um, but yeah, and, and if, and if you do come across my website, you can certainly always email me there and I I generally do respond to emails.
0: That's great. Well, thank you. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat today, Matt. Best wishes for Odysseys and, and for, um, all the other books in your future. And I hope you'll come back and, um, chat sometime again. Thank you.
1: Love to. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it.